0: Hello and welcome back to Over the Top Football. I'm joined here today with John. How are you, mate?
1: I'm very well, Rob. How are you? How are you doing after a, a emotional week of football?
0: Yeah, good. It's, do you know what? It's... A bit of a draining time at the minute. I don't know how you feel about it, but with it coming into December and it being quite a active calendar, and then you have four games of football a day, there's always something on.
1: Yeah, it's, it's even some days it's just too much football. <laughs> it's it's like 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Um, and it's getting it's becoming quite a lot. But it's it's been enjoyable. It's actually been a much more enjoyable World Cup than I thought it would be. And I've watched more games than I thought I would be able to. So it's uh, it's not been too bad, but I must initially start today's podcast by apologising because a few weeks ago I completely shot down your Morocco shout and what a shout it appeared to be.
0: Yeah, like I think with international teams sometimes. And the problem is I've probably bigged up about 10 teams on this podcast. <laughs> I've said that I was a bit more fanciful of Spain and Germany's chances, for example, than um, other people were. Uh, mm. so as an example obviously Spain I think have looked pretty good so far Germany have looked fairly average uh, if you big, enough, big up enough people then then you're bound to get one or two win but yeah Morocco <laughs> I think so, they've got solid players like they've got a really nice balance of some workman-like players like you've got Amrabat, Benatia mm. and then you've got some flair in like Ziyech and Hakimi so sometimes yeah. not blessed with an 11 or a 16 or 17 worth of talent and you just have to focus on what are the things that win me my game then yeah sometimes you can uh you can have much better world cups than you want but i think that group's a bit in the balance i, d- I don't want to be too early on saying that they're uh, a brilliant shout because they actually might not qualify
1: yeah they might not but you would expect them to at this point um i've just been really impressed by the level of performance they've actually put in I think ZH, who you've talked about and we've talked about previously I think he's been excellent um, I think the first game we saw his sort of battle against a few of the Croatian players and I thought he did really well obviously your shout for for left back in the tournament Sosa, Sosa I think he did very well against uh, and then I was really impressed with him yesterday against against Belgium you know arguably could have had a, a goal in the bag as well um, but I thought he was overall extremely impressive so it's a shout that I completely um, completely said no to. So I think they've been extremely impressive and probably one of the picks of the tournament so far in terms of teams that have broke through and stood out. And everyone sort of had the conversation about would you include Hakimi into the team of the tournament, but he probably won't get far enough. And they they could well get out of that group, which for the group that they've been drawn into is you know, an achievement in itself.
0: 100%. And I think... That actually kind of leads us nicely onto today's topic actually, talking about um, some heroes, if you want to describe it like that, heroes and zeros. We um, we both picked three, mm-hmm. so I'm very interested to see what you have gone for. And let's start on a positive note. We're a positive podcast. Give me your first hero, please.
1: My first hero I have went with uh, Luis Enrique. I, we previously spoke about him as potentially the best manager at this World Cup. In terms of what he's done at international and club level. I think he overachieved with this Spanish team in the Euros last time round. And I think the performances that they put in to date during the World Cup have been have been exceptional, especially the the game against Costa Rica. The reason why I've added him into this list though is because he's sort of doing it as he wants to do it. Um, with you know, he he, he spun up his his Twitch channel before the tournament so that he could you know, talk about the games in a way that wouldn't be misconstrued or misinterpreted. Um, he's come across really well on there. You're sort of good crack, good fun. Um, but I continue to be impressed with him as a manager in terms of, you know, I had his name written down before the German game yesterday. And following that game, he dedicated the performance to his his daughter, who he lost a number of years ago. And that was one of the reasons why he stepped away from his duties at Barcelona, and I always thought that was extremely admirable. But I think this tournament, he's come across really personable, really good fun. You know, you've you've got Southgate with his, you know, will he wear his waistcoat? Will he not? And you've got Luis Enrique talking about orgies and only fans. So it's um, it's sort of two sides of the spectrum, and um, from a lot of the international managers out there. But he's sort of not holding himself back in terms of who he is as a manager as a person and i think he stepped up in terms of putting his personality across very very well during a world cup that is being scrutinized by many across the globe he's sort of willing to be himself and step up and have you know have interactions with fans on a a global stage Uh, but i've also been impressed with how he's managed the spanish team going into this tournament and so far throughout this tournament as well so he'd be my first choice for uh, one of my heroes of the tournament
0: no i uh, i love that i think yeah we we mentioned um that he's probably one of the best managers in the tournament you could argue louis van hal obviously has got quite a decorated career as well but it is also not the 90s yeah I i didn't actually know about his twitch stuff so that sounds like super interesting i think one thing i will say with managers you find this with jürgen klopp i think particularly is when you are doing well and you're getting some credit in the bank it's very easy to be yourself it's easy to be the fun positive vibe when you're doing less though it's very difficult it's clearly very stressful you see managers hair turn gray and all the rest of it so yeah i think good good vibe around the spanish team at the minute and like you say that costa rica performance was very very impressive talk to me about some of the things that you thought made them look so good. So for me, an absolute standout in that game was Gabby.
1: Yeah, I think Gabby and, and Pedri in midfield were incredible. I think the youth that they have come coming through um, sort of mixed along the combination of experienced players within their team, it's, you know, I think it could be crucial in this tournament. I think in hindsight, looking at the team beforehand, you think they're maybe a little bit inexperienced um, you know a little bit youthful but then you look at the players you know they're playing alongside in terms of Busquets, Alba um, You know, even look at some of the squad players like coke and um, even Rodri who's young but highly experienced and obviously Cesar Azpilicueta will those players be at the next quarter top? I don't think and then you'll have an extremely youthful set of players so I think it's a really lovely combination of youth and, and really vast experienced players who've sort of won it all and been there um, I think Javi was in- incredibly impressive. I think what he did well was he utilised his substitutes well as well. Um, we talked about Murata previously. I thought it was a strange decision to take off Ferran Torres um, at that point, whenever he was on on a brace, you know, going for a, a hat trick. But then Murata came on. I thought he was actually very poor, but he probably had two good touches in the game against Costa Rica where he took his goal first time and the cross for for Havi's goal which was absolutely incredible and i think he went down as the second youngest ever world cup scorer but he's been extremely impressive throughout the tournament and i think that goal sort of capped it off
0: definitely i think the only thing you may be slightly worried now is about the legs i think sometimes it can be particularly hard on younger players we saw that with pedri when he played something like a 70 game season uh, in the euros towards the end he had a great tournament but towards the end maybe he looked a bit leggy with some of their extra time and actually to be honest john this quite nicely leads us onto my first pick because uh, you've touched on him there so i've put hero number one as the return of the number nine obviously Fulkrug and Maratta scored in the germany spain game yesterday both off the bench We've seen goals for Lewandowski, Giroud, Richarlison. Uh, International football, I've spoke about it before. I think it's a weaker standard overall. And actually, if you've got someone who can score your goals, put them in your team.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree. I think you've probably missed out Valencia there as well and, and another one who we might come on to in terms of Tarimi. So, yeah, I think the return of the number nine is absolutely accurate. We even thought looking at this German team, they would potentially play a false nine, which they look to have started with, with Havertz. But yeah, I was extremely impressed with Volkroeg, who you've spoke about and the performance he had yesterday. And he put in a good shift. But um, yeah, in terms of the return. Yeah. Lovely finish by someone who's, who's on form, which is exactly what this World Cup's about, isn't it? It's players coming straight from a, A sort of packed season where you're in the middle of it and you're starting to build up momentum and then you're then you're being thrown straight into an international tournament and i think with Fulkrug and you know the way in which he played yesterday and the finish as well you're probably seeing the benefits of that type of layout and the the timing of this tournament
0: definitely and i think it's something that's happened in premier league football it's become notable with nunez and harland getting signed this season and football has shifts football has yeah, paradigm shifts, if you want to call it that. It was four four two. Uh, then three in the back all became vogue, then four, three, three became vogue. And now I think we're seeing a shift back to a traditional striker, partly just because Um, some of the ones, the best ones in the game. So Benzema used to kind of be a foil for Ronaldo. Now he's the main man. He's become the number nine. Lewandowski's obviously now been doing it as the main penalty box guy for a little while. I think that will be an evolution in Harry Kane's game in the next couple of years. People think that he'll become more deep, but I could easily see him being a bit more penalty box like the other two I've just mentioned. Uh, But one of the interesting things I actually heard about it was it's kind of a contrast because we're now asking for more from centre-backs than ever. We're asking them to be ball players, carriers. Actually, some of the physical aspects, you see fewer and fewer Pepe-esque defenders these days. So actually, the rise of the number nine is coming in partly just because of what we're asking on our centre-backs now. And someone like Jules Koundé, who I think is about five foot nine, and Lisandro Martinez are good examples. They've come to prominence because they have a lot of the skill sets that are good for the modern game. But actually now, if you can whack them up against a six foot four brute of a centre forward, I think it's quite a nice style clash to have.
1: Yeah, it's it's how can you manipulate the players that you're playing against? And whether it's, you know, a quick number nine putting the ball playing centre halves under pressure or whether it's the sort of tall number nine with the significant presence putting a smaller center half under pressure in the air. So it's, yeah, it's a good point. And I think we we certainly have seen it with some of the, the Premier League sites and their, you know, purchase of standard, what you would call older fashion number nines rather than looking at smaller sort of false nine type players that they had previously played in those positions. And that's sort of been brought into this world cup quite well in terms of the styles of the way that these international teams have set up, even the usage of Richardson as a number nine, it's maybe not how he's previously played, where he's, you know, moved over to different to each wing or dropped a little bit deeper. He was playing as an out and out number nine for Brazil last week against Serbia, and I think he he did extremely well. As much as I like to criticize him every so often, um, I think he was very impressive. But I think overall, the number nines in this tournament have a lot of them have delivered. Um, it's just we're waiting for Harry Kane to wake up a little bit now.
0: Yeah, definitely. And now that you've said that and already had a Southgate dig in this podcast episode, <laughs> I would move swiftly, swiftly on. Uh, zero, number one for you, John.
1: So this was probably an easier to pick list um, for me, but I think the first selection that I've made for this list might surprise you. Um, I went for Kevin De Bruyne in this list, so multiple reasons as to why but to pull on a few um, you know, we sort of bigged him up as the best midfielder in the world coming into this tournament and the opportunity to prove that that was the fact and I think he's he's went the opposite way in that he's just has not delivered at all from a personal performance perspective. We looked at, you know, he's highly involved as a Man City player, of course, and normally for Belgium as well, averaging around 60 passes per game. Um, In this tournament so far, he has averaged 42 passes per game with a 70% pass pass success ratio. Um, So he's nowhere near as involved as he would normally be. He, you know, normally puts in around four crosses a game For Man City, in this tournament, he's put in four altogether across the two games for Belgium so far. Um, Normally, he averages three shots per game for Man City um, in standard Premier League season terms. This tournament, again, he's had three shots across the two games. with only one testing the goalkeeper. I think performance-wise, he's dropped well below what we expect from Kevin De Bruyne. But I think attitude-wise, has also significantly dropped below where we expect him to be as well he's never been a disruptive type force within the man city dressing room as far as we can see from an external perspective but i think some of the interviews that he's done during this world cup i think especially you know they were incredibly disappointing in the canada game so you, you probably could have had belgium as a whole in the zero category but i went specifically for kevin de bruyne they were extremely disappointing in the canada game Um, he got you know, player of the game, which he immediately sort of balked at and said, which I I quite liked saying. You know, I think this was given to me based on what you know I can do, rather than what I did today. Um, but I think that negativity got brought into further interviews later in that week, in which he sort of said that Belgium were too old to compete for the World Cup. They sort of didn't have any chance this time round. If they were going to do it, it was going to be in twenty eighteen. I don't think any of that is incorrect. But I think, as a senior member of your changing room, you should be coming in with positivity, and you definitely shouldn't be throwing your your teammates under the bus in terms of their age or their capabilities. So I don't know that that was one that I've I've added to my zero list. It could have been between a few people, or between a few clubs, or pundits, or nations, or corporations. Uh, but that was my first choice. I mean, what do you think? What do you think on that? Is that fair? Is that you know unexpected?
0: Three words for you, John let me talk in true De Bruyne style (laughs) um yeah I don't think it's unfair and I actually I I do think Belgium are suffering from Lukaku not being able to play many minutes uh they have somebody else injured as well I can't remember who it is right now but they are they've had a golden generation but their backline is weak man having a Vertonghen Aldeweireld centre-back partnership is it's so old yeah Yeah, they their time's gone and i don't think martinez i think i understand why he's doing it but he kind of needs to refresh it bring maybe like a doku in but when eden hazard's arguably your best ever player from your nation he's very hard to drop so i don't think it's unfair i agree with all of the interview things the coming out and just saying we're too old is just weird like the amount of people KSI says this, for example, bit of a tangent here. But he said, for example, he believes he can beat Mayweather. Whether that's actually true or not, you don't know. But why would he potentially have a a boxing match with Floyd Mayweather unless he thinks there is a chance he can win? you've got to have that goal when you're training something when you're going for something and i think it's even more pertinent in team sports because like you say he should be a leader for that dressing room he should be taking them forward i can understand his personal performances dropping off partly just because belgium have less of the ball and such a big facet of their play is the de bruyne lukaku connection but yeah it's not a strong group a lot of people had tipped Belgium for semis or quarters or something, and they seem at this point kind of destined to, yeah, destined for mediocrity. If if England played them right now, I'd fancy England in that game, which says a lot.
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Um, I was one of those ones that thought Belgium had a decent run, potentially, if they performed, which I expected them to do. Uh, but I think, yeah, you you specifically look at the the defensive capabilities, and they're, they're still playing for Tongan and Alderwild, and there's no one else sort of coming through. I expected um Fice from Leicester to get a game alongside you know Dendonker or maybe they changed it back four. But um yeah, I've been extremely unimpressed with them to date, especially in the Canada game, who I thought were excellent and um, nearly went down as one of my heroes but didn't. Um but yeah, I think that their performances so far have been so under par. And you know, what happens with Roberto Martinez if they don't get out of the group? Surely, I know his contract's up after this tournament. Uh, I believe he's also the technical director for the Belgium football team. So, I mean, will he be sacking himself? I don't know whether he wants to actually do that. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what they do in potentially their last game of the tournament next time round and uh, see if they can potentially get out of this group.
0: 100% interesting about Martinez potentially sacking himself. It's something I always say as a business owner. What am I going to do? fire myself um so yeah that would be super interesting to see i have seen i've got some mates who are everton fans and they've talked about yeah martinez maybe maybe he actually has a bit of time at the end of this season but then he looks at going there obviously they're a club that need a bit of renewal he would know someone like onana maybe he could even convince a Lukaku to come back to everton so there's options for him, like I don't think he's too bad of a coach. I think he's he's probably just let down by the fact that in and around 2018 he got one shot at it obviously they beat Brazil, which was phenomenal they lost to a very talent exploded France team. This is the thing with World Cups coming once every four years you don't get many chances at the roundabout so yeah he's it'll probably be time for him to move on, particularly I mean if they go out in the groups that would be an atrocity but um Let's move it back positive. Oh, actually, did I give my zero? I don't think I did.
1: I don't think you have. So on to your
0: zero, please. I have one of the shortest things that I don't really want to talk about. And we did say we'd do a shorter podcast today. So this one fits in nicely. Nil-nils, 26% of first round games. That is the highest percentage ever. It's up from about 20% in Russia, which I also think might have been the next most nil-nils in first round games. There was games I was excited about in that. Something like Uruguay versus South Korea. You had Benton Kerr versus Son, for example. Uruguay are also my sweepstake nation. It, it was nil-nil. I was working at the time. I, I just cannot be bothered to watch the highlights for a nil-nil. What yeah. highlights am I going to see? A shot on target.
1: Yeah, it hasn't been. There's been a lot of nil-nils. There's been an awful lot, and as you've sort of touched upon, 26% of the first round games. I even I was surprised that England USA. I sort of had myself set up for a, a, an enjoyable Friday night, um, and that was definitely not not the case. I think that was England's 12th ever uh, World Cup nil nil, which puts them highest ranking in terms of you know goalless draws in World Cup history. But I think that's yeah. been across the board at this World Cup, where you don't know whether you're going to get. You know, incredible excitement like England, Iran or the last few minutes of Iran, wheels, or whether you're going to get a, a boring 0-0 draw where like you've mentioned, there's sort of no desire to go and pick up on those extended highlights if you haven't caught the game. But um, yeah, hopefully we see more goals coming into the, the latter stages of the, the tournament. But you would expect more goals at this stage whenever you're talking normally against higher ranked teams and, and lower ranked teams. So hopefully the, the rest of the group stages deliver some more goals.
0: Definitely. I think now that there's some jeopardy, so England-Wales is a good example of that, actually. Wales need to win 4-0 to stand any chance of qualifying. So as much as people have said, oh, yeah, Wales could beat England if England don't show up and things, that could happen. But the fact that Wales have to go and try and score 4 just means I really struggle to see that being a nil nil. Uh, because they're going to have to go all out it will open up spaces for England to counter so a bit of jeopardy and now that the teams are actually getting to play with each other more than once in a row for the first time in three months or however long it's been I think we should see a bit more quality which would be very nice to be honest so move me on to hero number two please John.
1: Hero number two I went for Roy Keane so any chance to throw an Irishman into the heroes list but I think um Roy Keane at this tournament has been a bit of a breath of fresh air. We've seen a lot of pundits, some of which we might cover in the in the zero section, who've come across quite poorly in this World Cup and this tournament. Um I think Roy Keane has been, you know, comical. He's been straight to the point. He's been, you know, very, very forward about some of the issues that a lot of other pundits have been unwilling to to talk about. Um so I think he goes into my hero list. I think he's just been you know, really enjoyable to watch. You know, I grabbed one of my first cups of coffee of the day and I watched him and Graham Zunas shouting at each other at, you know, 11 a.m. on a Cameron brother, I think it was a Monday morning and that was a nice way to start the week. So, um, yeah, I think he's been, he sort of said what a lot of fans have wanted to say. He's called out players who haven't worn the the armband whenever they probably should have. He's called out some of the Issues that we've seen with some of the, you know, larger topics that we've already spoken about, um, and I think he's been one of the pundits that have not shied away from controversy and shied away from expressing what we all think. And um, yeah, I think he's carried on the performances he puts in with Sky Sports on a Sunday, and he's brought it straight into ITV uh, during the World Cup, and he's been he's been a breath of fresh air in terms of the the standard. Football language that you normally hear, and he's just getting straight to the point. Uh, his dig at England was quite enjoyable. Whenever we talked about um, Musiala, and uh, you, you know, Royke will never forget the fact that Grealish and Rice played for Ireland before they played for England. Um, and as an Irish fan, you always like to see those types of reminders placed in. But I think he's been he's been great TV, and he's been great um, to watch as an actual pundit as well. And it's during some of these nil nils he's been quite enjoyable just to give you a bit of entertainment so he goes in as my my second hero and like i said i'll try to mention any form of keen throughout one of these episodes anytime i possibly can so he goes in as my second choice
0: no 100 percent. your keen loving rolls on which is nice to see i quite uh, enjoyed roy keen's polo top the other night the one that looked a bit like a deluxe paint chart but uh, i actually thought a bit of, bit of swag from mr keen matched his beard nicely funnily enough yeah, I've actually watched probably half of the games that I have seen in the pub, where they tend to turn kind of like the ITV commentary uh, at halftime off. So I haven't heard too many of his sound bites, but yeah, he's definitely he's an enjoyer of the game, but he's he's not too too upset with being critical about things that need to be i think yeah i don't want to i don't actually know what you've got as zeros later but you've alluded to maybe genev might be one uh, based on what you were saying there so yeah broking he's a nice brush of breath of fresh air and i think um yeah him micah richards i think there's been a few in recent years who bring different elements to commentary and it's nice to see um from yeah kind of the days of very boring, very uh, very broadcast-safe people. Um, my hero number two, actually the team I've enjoyed watching the most at the World Cup, is France. I don't know how much of their games you've seen, John, but obviously they've had a 4-1 and, and maybe a 3-1 as well. They've been really, really good to watch.
1: Yeah, I picked up both, uh, both of their games and I've been really impressed. They've probably been between their performances in Spain's first game. They've probably been the most impressive team and nation throughout this tournament so far. And I I, I was close to picking Mbappe um, or the French national team. So I'm pleased that you have them in as one of your selections.
0: Definitely. I think Mbappe, for me, player of the tournament, I did mention last time out, he made your um, predicted team of the tournament. He didn't make mine just because he had quite a poor Euros. And I also didn't want to just go, pure psg but he's mm. been awesome like, if he keeps it up he'll be player of the tournament for me and actually something i thought was an interesting discussion point was so much has been made for france it helps that they just have outstanding depth like france could play three 11s that could arguably win the tournament but they had injuries to pogba kante and cuckoo benzema like a lot of mandan uh, not mandanda manyon like a lot of players going into the tournament I wonder if it's actually made things easier for them. Where Belgium, for example, a little bit of a smaller nation, they don't have loads of depth, injuries cost them a lot. I think that something's harmonizing this France squad. They've got their back up against the wall. It seems a bit unfair, but actually, you can now play Giroud and he's your number nine and like there's no question marks on selection with him anymore um I actually think that whilst Pogba and Kante were awesome as part of the 2018 team I think their best years are behind them so Mm -hmm. Rabiot stepped up really nicely and I also think like Kamavinga, Chuomeni they are awesome players with young potential so yeah I think that's probably made things easier for them I don't know what you think about that
1: yeah I completely agree I think the two that I had in my head were Kante and Pogba. I think based on performances in past the past years, I think they would have started, but I don't think they would have deserved to have started. And I think unless you're bringing momentum into this tournament, then you may struggle. Um, I think Many's done exactly what you would expect him to do, and he's been really impressive in terms of interceptions, um, you know, playing it simple and, and getting the ball across to his teammates. I think Rabio's has probably been the surprise package of the tournament in terms of how well he's performed especially in the first game um, and I expected to see Kamavinga line up beside Chiumeni instead of Rabiot but I think yeah, Rabiot's done an incredible job in there but I, I agree with you I, we talked about you know you went for Benzema within your team in the tournament I went for Mbappe because I just thought Deshaun has a real you know like towards Giroud and would probably throw him in any opportunity that he got. So I think the injuries that have come across or come their way certainly would have stood out as being losses for France, but because of the depth that they have and because of the experience that they have, as well as the you know upcoming really, really talented, youthful players like Choumeny it sort of probably provided more of an opportunity than a, than an issue for the French national team and I think we're seeing that based on the performances that they put in.
0: Definitely. They're a nation who are so likely to implode. I don't, I'm not talking about this current squad, but they have had attitude issues in the past. So it's nice to see that they've kind of got some common ground to focus on. Um, we might have to fly through these next ones, um, but obviously I will give you a fair share. So give me your next zero, please.
1: My next zero sort of alluded to him, and you already mentioned him, is, is Gary Neville. Um, I think nothing that he's done has shocked anybody especially for the predictions that we made about what he would do um he sort of went and said he's going to take all this money effectively to go out and call out qatar and call out the injustices that have been done during the process of this tournament um he's done exactly the opposite he's defended qatar he's defended the reason for why the world cup has been um you know has been given to that nation he hasn't done anything he said he was going to do, and he's done exactly what we said he would do, and and that he's done nothing. You know you're going for the bag whenever you look to your left and you see Richard Keys, and you look to your right and you see Andy Gray, and you're getting paid a few sure. million to to be sat there. Um, he hasn't done, he hasn't gone there for football. He's gone there to line his pockets, and I think it's been blatantly obvious to every football fan who's who's seen the decisions that he's made during the course of the tournament. Now he's also coming out and starting to say that Trent would start for any. I'm a big Trent lover, as uh, as you know, because I mentioned him as much as I mentioned the Keynes. Um, but he's now mentioning that Trent would start for any other nation in the in the world of football and he should have been brought on and given a chance where he was saying the exact opposite a few weeks ago. So I think people are starting to sort of see what he's about in terms of he creates this narrative and and sticks to it until it suits him and then he goes the opposite way and you know. as if he's bemused as to why you're questioning him Uh, i think he's come across poorly i think he's not stuck to anything that he said he was going to do and yeah i think it's just another example of an opportunity to to line his own pockets rather than speak up for the wider football community so that's my obvious second choice i don't know whether you want to disagree or, or add anything to that
0: no i agree um i have actually got tickets to the overlap uh live i was supposed to go um a couple of weeks ago and now it's been moved back to march time i think and i semi dislike gary neville more with each passing week to be honest with you definitely he's gone to line his pockets um probably the definition of small dick energy i think john i think someone's pointed out before in the uh the Manchester United changing rooms. That was always a rumor going around that he's not exactly blessed in that department. And now he's just, yeah, a bit of a weasel.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not calling him a zero because of the size. Um, it, it is, his, <laughs> it is his actions. I have no comment in regard to the other the other topic. Um, but yeah, I just think it's a no brainer for me. It's probably I'm doing it in reverse order. So De Bruyne is probably my third ranked. Neville's my second, and there's a very obvious number one choice that you know we might have a bit of overlap in terms of the selection process. Um, uh, pardon the pun. Nice.
0: Well, great pun, and I am calling him a zero in both departments. Gary Neville, you're a zero for your beliefs, and you're a zero in the cock department. Sorry if that's a bit aggressive for a Monday morning, but <laughs> someone needed to say it. Okay. Yeah. My second... I... go on, John.
1: I was going to say I'm interested to find out your zero now because you've got so aggressive towards Gary.
0: (laughs) So mine is, we've alluded to it in past episodes, but just the overall organisation. The players were told that they would get booked for wearing the One Love armbands one day out. We mentioned not having a lack of, uh, having a lack of clarity doesn't help these things. Obviously, the beer inside the stadiums got taken away about two days out. Uh, there was a news report during the first England game that people's FIFA apps weren't working, so England fans who'd got tickets couldn't actually go to the games. Um, four day, four games a day, again, we spoke about it earlier. I believe it's only been three in the past. I don't know if you've ever seen the David Mitchell sketch where he's like, it's football all of the time, Monday, Tuesday, football, football, football. does feel a little bit like that, and I think so much has had to change with this one. They've thought about it really, really late and then kind of gone, Oh, we actually have a World Cup to do here. Yeah. Messy.
1: Yeah, it's it's I'm earning myself, no brownie points at all with the wife. Um, sort of clocking into at least two to three games a day. So I will have a lot of chores and making up to do after this World Cup. And FIFA probably could have saved me from some of that. But uh you're right, it just feels like it's a little bit overkill at this point with the scheduling. Um, I know certain World Cups, if they've had to do four games in the same day, they've done two games at the same time. Um, So they would have had two 1 o'clock games and two 7 o'clock games. And they could have done it across different channels. So I think it's been a bit of an overkill. I think, um, yeah, we can go into FIFA in a little bit more detail because I, I might have them on my zero list for some obvious other reasons also. But I think all of your points are extremely valid.
0: Yeah, it's just just a bit bit chaotic um i i can understand why but yeah i don't know it's it's annoying me reading it to be honest with you john so we'll move on to your next hero please
1: my next hero i want to bring it back to some of the other podcasts we've done obviously we've talked about some of the breakthrough players that we thought would be here um at this tournament and i think we've both come up with some really impressive picks mine was uh mediterimi from Iran, and i think the Iran national team as well could have been included in the heroes list in terms of the stand that they made against England in terms of not singing the national anthem but also the performances of the team I think the English team there was obviously distractions from a you know in the background with some of the stances were they were going to make but the comeback that they had against Wales in a really impressive 2-0 victory are sort of positioned into their own hands as to you know potential qualification for the next round of the World Cup which nobody would have expected following the first game. Um, I think Mehdi Tarimi has been a, a shining light in that Iranian team. I think two goals against England is incredibly impressive in itself. Uh, backing that up with an assist against Wales, you're looking at three goal contributions across two games uh, at the highest level of you know professional football. So I think we bigged him up before the tournament started. He's absolutely delivered as well. And, we knew about him before the tournament kicked off, but I think a lot more people know about him now. So he's going down as one of my heroes and, and breakout players um, at this World Cup and and more so an opportunity to pat myself in the back with that selection.
0: A hundred percent. I was going to say if there was any advert to listen to over-the-top football and to like, share, subscribe to this podcast, that is it. You you said he'd be one of the breakthrough players. He is one of the breakthrough players. There's other calls in there we've got right as well. Um, Just like people like Enzo Fernandez, I thought, came on and had a great game, for example. So we've consistently tried, I think, to give a bit more balance to talk about some teams who don't necessarily get the light from the mainstream media. And those are a couple of great examples.
1: Axel, hit me with the next hero.
0: Yeah, so mine is the unpredictability. Whilst you can correctly predict that a quarter of the games will be 0-0, actually, the unpredictability of someone like Costa Rica uh, and Japan, they quite nicely reversed each other, like Costa Rica being abysmal in the first game and then beating Japan in the second. Um, Saudi Arabia obviously beating Argentina. They then lost their second. England won 6-2 and then looked prime Southgate ball and then 0-0. I I actually haven't checked it for the last few days, but my predictor league predictions, I'm really struggling to get a correct score just because it's a bit all over the place. And I think that that element of chaos is why we watch football. Like you don't watch it to see a predictable result and another Man City title. You watch it because anything can happen
1: yeah absolutely and and that's part of the fun of football it's part of the reason why we love the Premier League normally so much is that anybody can beat anybody and we normally don't see that in international football which is why certainly this tournament I'm I am enjoying for the most part Um, another person that nearly got in my hero list and, and, and in hindsight probably should have but I wanted to pat to myself on the back with Tarimi and um, was Herve Reynard, and it was obviously the, the standout performance of the World Cup to date is the Saudi Arabia win over Argentina. And probably the standout video of the World Cup to date is his halftime team talk for that game in which they were able to then complete the comeback. And it's that's, that's what football's about, and especially international football, is the passion that he showed during that team talk and the passion that he's continued to show throughout the course of the tournament. So these unpredictable games, whether it's Morocco, Belgium, Saudi Arabia, uh, Argentina, as you mentioned, even the scoreline was Costa Rica and Spain, and then their comeback against Japan. It's been an unpredictable World Cup um, and probably one of the most enjoyable ones in terms of normally one of the biggest downfalls of international football is it's predictable and it's a bit boring and a bit rigid, whereas I think this tournament so far has not proven to be the case. Uh, I don't know whether there's any other examples you want to throw in there, Rob, but I I found it quite an interesting tournament because of that unpredictability.
0: Yeah, I mean that there are for sure. Um, As I say, I I don't think I got a correct score right in my first round of Predictor League um, games. So there are, but yeah, I don't know. I'm excited to see. Put it this way: if you get more games like Saudi Arabia, Argentina, and obviously in the next round of fixtures, you're going to start seeing teams go home as well. So it'd be interesting to see how many of these are kind of one-off and how many of these have permutations for the rest of the tournament. Um, Let's finish on your final zero, please.
1: Yeah, so mine, it's sort of covered off what you already spoke about, but mine is the final zero and probably the biggest one in this tournament is FIFA. I think it starts with the the actual allocation of this tournament to Qatar, um, then changing it from a summer tournament to a winter tournament. In that it needed to be done from a safety perspective with the the nation that they selected, but this tournament should not be being played during the the middle of a Premier League or any season across the globe. Um, obvious ones with the stance that they made. Obviously, you mentioned about the one love armband and making those changes. You know, twenty four hours before the first game of the tournament is laughable, uh, and we've now started to see significant nations like Denmark talking about leaving FIFA and sort of going a bit rogue and. Bringing some other nations with them, so I think some of the the issues that we've seen with FIFA with Infantino during the course of the tournament will certainly not be the last. I think we're going to see some significant stances from some of the largest nations in the world, sort of potentially breaking away from FIFA because their lack of, you know, clear leadership and drive and ability to organize uh, across the the world stage and federations might see that they can do it better themselves which they probably can do at this point so i think they're the biggest downfall i think we're going to start to see a brexit like um approach with some of the nations when it comes to fifa and i don't think that they've overly come across as the sort of leader of international football as they want to be Uh, and probably one of the biggest disappointments of this world cup has been the federation themselves or the the organization themselves that are behind the tournament so I think they're the obvious and the overlying zero um, throughout the course of this Qatar World Cup and probably in the aftermath as well.
0: Definitely. I think Netflix, I haven't seen this documentary yet because I'm just focusing on the pure football for now, but Netflix bringing out a FIFA documentary going into some of the corruption probably hasn't helped them. Infantino's definitely not helped himself. I like Denmark. Denmark seems to be a really principled, country i like the idea of talking about do you know what like they've proven time and time again how corrupt they are let's try something new um i don't know if post a few more episodes of this podcast john you want to try and make a new fifa and get some of the nations involved but ultimately if if not all countries like still have buy-in with fifa then the world cup isn't as good a product and yep it's time to move on i don't know what their contracts say with them but FIFA have broken multiple laws. I I think it's time for a change.
1: Yeah, I think so. And, you know, following our previous podcast, I did Google, you know, can anybody run for president of FIFA? Because I believe me or you could probably do a better job. Um, I think you're right in everything you've said. I think it'll get to a point where we will see some breakaway and we'll see a different format in terms of the World Cup and other international tournaments. Um, in the next few years and I think a nation like Denmark who aren't opposed to taking a stand maybe a Germany would follow following on with some of their protests I know certainly England have been have been touted about in terms of potentially being willing to walk away alongside Denmark so I think they certainly won't do it by themselves and I think it'll be some of the big hitters that will be involved in that movement and I think we'll see some momentum in that after the World Cup finishes
0: um okay so my final zero just to round this up on a nice uh negative point because we're always so positive is the defending dash goalkeeping uh so i watched canada yesterday you said and i think it's fair it's their first world cup ever i believe that um they've been quite good i think they play quite nice football uh but actually their defending lets them down so much it it didn't lead to goal but Alfonso davies had like a nice break on the wing Uh, not Alfonso davies uh oh no no it was him it was actually uh the Croatian centre-back I think he basically just like kicked the ball in his own face to allow Alfonso Davies to run three um the last goal fair enough Canada were pushing up to um try and score but they just left one man back to just be counted on by three um so the defending in that game wasn't great but also some of the goalkeeping and stuff I don't know if you saw the goal Japan conceded against Costa Rica but he basically just threw it in his own net.
1: Yeah, he he pumped it straight in. Um, yeah, the goalkeeper we've spoke about the Qatar goalkeeper who's probably in a league of his own, and he actually got dropped for the second game, which was which is probably right. Um, but yeah, I've been for there being as many nil nils as there's been, the level of defending hasn't been that great across the the entire tournament, and I think the Canadian team are probably a good example of that. But it's Difficult to dislike this Canadian team from the manager to the rest of the players and exactly what Alfonso Davis is doing and probably the biggest shock for me was actually seeing Junior Hoytlett. Uh, I did not expect to see him anywhere near World Cup so, and didn't know he was even still playing. So that was probably and that was a nice shock as well. But yeah, I would agree. I think the Canadian defence in, in the game yesterday was was slightly disappointing.
0: Yeah, I think obviously they are co-hosts for the next one so i think this was nice it's kind of like learn some of the lessons learn where you're a bit raw and then in jonathan david and Alfonso davies they will be more in their prime for the next one so if you can get a few other players um i don't know how old he is but i like the look of that buchanan um so yeah they've they've got they've got some positives um but yeah these those aren't the only isolated mentions um obviously all the teams get briefed by referees before they go into it so why the hell um the saudi arabian defender when messi scored that penalty was like yeah all over that player in the box obviously we yeah. saw john stone get done for a shirt pull um iran in that game should have definitely got done for a rugby tackle on maguire um wayne hennessy i actually haven't seen this incident but I, obviously he got a red card and then they went on to concede two more goals in extra time I think there's yeah. been a few a few incidences of not the best defending and goalkeeping, but to make this a bit more positive, good, because I don't want to watch any more nil-nils.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. You don't want to watch any more nil-nils at all. Um, Hennessy, I think, was just, you know, not long before he got sent off. He made a really, really good save um, down to his right. And then the ball got played through. Tarimi beat him to it, and knocked it past him and, and sort of played for it as much as possible. But it was just clumsy and possibly unnecessary. Um, and it was the, the only thing that could have resulted after that foul was a red card. So it was, you know, for a player with that level of experience, it was a little bit inexperienced and and hot headed from him. Um but and it did absolutely turn turn the game and around, Iran took full advantage of it. So yeah, I mean, like you said, we, we don't want to see any more nil nil. So if, if it takes a few sending offs or defensive mistakes, then we'll we'll absolutely take it.
0: Definitely. Um, anything you're looking forward to this week, John? Uh, sorry to put you a bit on the spot there, but any games to look forward to? The, the thing I'm most looking forward to is us doing another podcast because it's felt like it's been a little while. So I think we're going to do two this week, but any games you're looking forward to?
1: Yeah, I th- I'm looking forward to the England game. Um, could Wheels potentially get anything out of it? Or, you know, I don't think they could, but it'll be interesting to see what Southgate does as a result of the previous game. I think we saw... What the first game we saw a lot about what, what you've spoke about with the positives of England, and the second game we saw a lot of the negatives, which I've previously spoken about in terms of the inability to change the game from the bench and the lack of tactical prowess from Southgate to actually introduce the you know generational talents as they've been labelled off the bench and and make a difference in the game. So it'd be interesting to see what they can do against Wales. I would expect them to bounce back and and win that comfortably, uh, but it'd be it'd be. I'm looking forward to seeing Foden given a chance. You know, I think based on the previous two uh, performances, I think if you're gonna throw him in, you throw Trent Alexander-Arnold in now as well. Uh, I don't think Trippier's been overly impressive, so why not give Trent a chance? Um, and yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing some of the some of those players come off the bench and maybe get a chance. I would love to see Madison get a game, but I doubt it at this point. And Yeah, I'm mainly looking forward as well to seeing what happens with the aftermath of the Belgium group as well as the uh, the Germany Spain group as well. I think there could be one or two big nations crash out of the tournament in those groups if if things go as as we think it might. So yeah, I'm more I'm looking forward to seeing what smaller nations are able to to creep their way into the last sixteen of the tournament, and and it's always exciting to back an underdog as we've previously talked about in some of the other podcasts
0: hundred percent. So I was just going to say that uh, Thursday, that's when the uh, Germany, Spain and Croatia, Belgium groups all play. So maybe actually we record our next one next Friday after a huge Thursday night. Um, The one thing to say as well, actually, which will be quite good for uh, your wife and child, John, is that actually the final uh, game of fixtures, They happen in the same group at the same time. So if you do have multi-devices, you can watch Costa Rica, Germany, whilst you're watching Japan, Spain, which I think is quite fun. It's always fun when more things happen at the same time.
1: Nice. We'll go for a multi-screen night tibber of then. Um, No, that sounds good. And a bit of breaking news as well is that uh, Andre Onana has been removed from the Cameroon squad. So that's interesting. They've still got some football left to play, and it's – because they wanted him to play more of a traditional style of goalkeeper and he's refused, so he's away home. So there's an early exit for, for the Inter Milan oh. goalkeeper. And what's his name? Andre Onana.
0: Uh I, I think you may have missed my Drake and Rihanna reference there, but I I got uh, it
1: after I said his name. And uh yeah, you, I wasn't <laughs> I wasn't gonna potentially give you this just the surname based on that one
0: no fair enough (laughs) Um, yeah I I didn't know that obviously that must have happened whilst we've been recording the podcast so it's a shame to see but I I suddenly wrote it from him do you know what if you've been picked to play a certain way and that's how you play like you shouldn't necessarily have to bend just because your coach says do this Um, so much like Mr Onana himself we will say goodbye thank you John thank you Rob looking forward to Friday yeah buzzing mate We've been over the top football. Catch you soon. Yeah. See you later. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Mum.